Amen. So excited to be spending Sunday morning with you guys. It's just, uh, it's been such a special week for my family. I have to tell you this story. It's amazing. My, uh, my grandfather, Harvey Storms, back in December of 1950, was labeled as killed in action in the Korean War. And so he left his wife, my grandmother, who died 10 years later, along with three young boys at home. And my dad, who is sitting here this morning, was not even born yet. He came along two months later. And so we've known about him. We've known his legacy. And we've understood that he was a great man of God. And he gave his life so that we could have freedom and just the, the hero that he is. And the last accounts that we've known that the, the brothers have all kind of explored what did their father's life look like? How did it end? Where did he end up? And nobody ever really knew. And just 48 hours ago, they got the phone call they've been waiting for for their entire lives that said, these boxes of remains that were sent back by North Korea last year in good faith, that out of all of those boxes, one of the bodies came back and was identified as Harvey Storms. So what an amazing testimony. It's just, you're like on cloud nine that you've had some some questions answered. I look forward to that great day when we actually get to meet him in heaven. But just what, what closure. He still has a living sister that's in her mid-90s that was told the news on, on Friday afternoon there in Austin, Texas. And so just, just a special time for the Storms family. God is so gracious that 69 years later, he would answer prayers. I'm just blown away by his faithfulness. And I started thinking about the timing of God. Why would you wait so long? And I think all of us can agree that the timing of God, when we look at it through our flesh, is so questionable. Like it never makes sense. I've told people before, I know God's not late, but he's never early either. He just, it doesn't seem to go on our time. But as we step out and we look at the grand scheme and he sees things through eternity, we know that his timing is always perfect, 100% of the time. So just rest in that knowing if you're praying for something, if you're going after something, it might take 70 years to find the answer. I don't say that lightly. Can you wait that long? Maybe you'll never know till the answer to your question till the other side, but that's why we serve a living God, because we're going to know those answers one day. Amen? Yes. Amen. We're going to dive into finances. Again, Tyler said everybody's favorite topic. So I just want to share with you in my journey of my life that I've found and I've experienced the goodness and the faithfulness of God through my finances. Some of you have heard this story, but it's worth revisiting again. When I was 16 years old, uh, the, the status symbol there at the time, being a basketball player in high school, was you had to have a nice gold chain, gold necklace. It was thick like a herringbone. I mean, I'm going back into the 1900s, 1995, 96, where I'm going. So my brother, he's a few years older than me, he let me borrow his one day. I'm still in high school, he's in college, and said, hey, I want to borrow that, that chain for the day. And so he let me borrow it, so I take it to school. I'm getting some nice compliments on it. <laughs> Chain's probably worth, I would say at the time, $250, $300. So it's, it's you know, minimum wage is $425, so it's, it's worth quite a bit. And so I borrowed it from him, said, hey, you know, let me try it out. So I go to athletics that day. We had eight periods in the day, and it was the last period of the day. And so I, I lay it real nicely so it doesn't get any kinks in the chain. And we were sharing lockers at the time, and my locker mate had one too, so he came in behind me. We go to athletics, we come back that afternoon, and I'm like, hey, where's my chain? And he's looking for his, and we can't find either one of our chains. We look on the ground, and there's a hanger that somebody had twisted and turned, and you could tell they had reached right in there and just taken it right off a hook and just took our chains out. I'm like, oh, man, just got my chain jacked. Sitting good. <laughs> Wasn't mine. 
I'm going to have to pay it back. At the time, I'm 16 years old. I'm working at Dairy Queen, serving up blizzards, making drinks, all that stuff, $4.25 an hour. I start calculating the math. I'm like, this is going to take some weeks to pay this thing back. So I go home. My brother's not upset, but obviously we agreed uh, that I do need to pay for it. I need to buy him a new one. And so the next day, I'm on the way to school. I'm driving myself. And praise God, I grew up in a Christian home, and I understood the value of God and of his word. And so even at an earlier age, I had already committed to giving 10% of everything I earned from my job and giving it to the Lord via the local church. And I knew this scripture, so I want to show it to you in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse number 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, a tithe just simply means a tenth. One-tenth of everything you give or everything you make, you give back to the Lord. He says, so there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be, not be room enough to store it. He said, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. I said, hey, whoa, I know the biggest pest there is, and that's the enemy. And so I realized that moment that I had been giving my tithe faithfully and I said, God, your word says that you'll rebuke that pest. So I said, devil, you have until sixth period to give me that chain back. I said, because I want to wear it one more period, seventh period, before I have to go back to athletics. That's what I told him. So you got till sixth period today to return my stolen goods because I pay my tithe. <laughs> second period, second period, not sixth, second period. Knock on the door. Andrew, we need you to come to the door. God is my witness. This girl, I asked her about it later. She had no recollection of what I was talking about. She said, I don't know what I, I is this yours? And she hands me the gold chain that had been stolen just the day before. And I said, thank you very much. I will take that right back. I was not surprised one bit. I was thankful. I was grateful. But I knew what the word of God said. I realized my mistake in that time was that I should have claimed sevenfold, and I would have had seven gold chains to pass out to everybody. But I didn't do that. So me as a young man, I knew that, and I've never to this day missed giving my tithe. I say that as sincere as I can without bragging. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on the Lord. If you will bring a tenth of what you have to him, he will rebuke the pest. He will rebuke the enemy, and he can't take your money from you. Amen? So I'm thinking on this monetary level for about the next 20 years, that if I give, I'm blessed monetarily. If I do this, he's going to take care of me. But then about three years ago, I'm at home, and I'm, I remember I was finishing up some yard work outside, and my wife walks out, and she said, hey, Andrew, do you know where the black wallet is? I said, oh, it's, I, I don't know, probably on the counter. Did you look in the car? And she said, I looked all those places, and I said, <gasps> I froze. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I left it in the cart at H-E-B two nights ago. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like much, but the black wallet is what she and I use. We do a cash system, so it's the first of the month that we cash out all the money we need for the month. So there's about anywhere from twenty-two dollars to $2,500 that is now missing for about 36 hours that I've not accounted for that I had left in the cart at H-E-B. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. She's like, well, I'll, I'll run up there and check on it. And so while she goes back inside, I literally, I, I remembered the gold chain from 20 years ago. And I said, hmm. 
I know that I still continue to give my tithe and my offerings. But then I had this thought, okay, you said that if I do that, you'll rebuke the devourer, that somebody stole. But you know what? Nobody stole my black wallet. Nobody took it. Whose fault was it? It was mine and my forgetfulness, my ignorance. It's my mistake this time. And so I, I had to ask God. I was being sincere. I said, do you still cover? Does your word still work? Does it? It did. I asked him, does it still work even though it's my fault? Even though it's my mistake, do you still cover my mistake? And he asked me this question. He said, Andrew, he said, who covered your sin? And I'm telling you, I went from this financial thought for 20 years that he just wants to bless me financially, and I got it in an instant. And I went back inside, and I raised my hands there in my kitchen. I said, God, I don't care about money. I don't care about gold chains. I don't care about wallets. Thank you that you have paid the price for my life. Amen? Was I surprised that three minutes later, Elena says, hey, they have my wallet and all the money's in here? Not one bit. I was like, I already knew that. I knew that was going to happen once he told me that. He's going to cover us. But what I want to tell you is that your finances, it's never just about your money. It's not just about your money. True wealth, hear me now, true wealth is spiritual. That's what he wants us to see. It's spiritual. Check this out in Ephesians Chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every what? Spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one he loves. Look at this, the gospel in him. Here's the riches right here. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Not the the riches of wealth, not the riches of money, the riches of his grace. I'll take that over any riches the world can give to us. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse number nine, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Think about it. He's in heaven. He has all the riches, all the spiritual blessing, anything you can imagine. He has it. But it said he came from a place that was rich and became poor. But why did he do that? So that you through his poverty might become rich. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about spiritual things this morning. Amen? Just a chapter later, in chapter 9, verse number 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Has anybody ever heard this preached on in a financial message? Raise your hand with me this morning. Nod your head something, right? That's where we take this. We look, if I Give my money, he's going to give me money back. We know Luke 6, 33, give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. These are popular verses that are absolutely the word of God. But I want you to open your eyes. I want you to see this this morning with a fresh heart. And show. I want to show you what he's actually looking at here. So after he comes off of this, in verse number 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? It says, then God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in tons of money. Doesn't say that. You'll abound in every good work. We invest, and he gives us spiritual blessings. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their money lasts forever. Their what? Their righteousness. That's all I'm seeing so far is spiritual things. Look at the next verse. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your money. No, the harvest of your what? Your righteousness. Is it sinking in? Are you seeing what I'm seeing here? He never approaches money. He's going after our hearts. It said you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. You're telling me that when I give, that's showing people that I'm obedient and it enhances the confession of the gospel of Christ? You're putting your money where your mouth is. You're saying, I'm praising you with my mouth and I'm praising you with my money. And the non-believers and believers like they see that and say, I see that you're obedient to the word of God and that is a great confession of the gospel of Christ. Verse 14, look what happens when people stumble upon you giving. It says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. You mean I can give, I can sow, and in return people pray for me in my life? I'm not buying the gospel, I'm not buying prayers, but as I sow into who God is, he lavishes on us gifts that are indescribable. That's what 15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Never once did he approach money. It's all about the spiritual blessings that we receive. And I think that's where the prosperity message falls real short. You've heard it in churches, because everything stays on the money level, right? I know it's easy that spiritual riches may not be as popular, but at least it's scriptural, right? That's what I'm after this morning, is I want the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. So we know that Jesus talked over and over about money, about one-third of all of his parables deal with money. So Andrew, if he's talking about money, and you're telling me that money doesn't really matter, then why is he talking about it? And that's what we're going to answer just for the next few moments. Here's the point I want to make, that the stewardship of your money reveals things about your heart. That's why we have money. Look what it says in verse number 19 of Matthew 6. We all know this. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our stewardship of money reveals what we treasure. I can prove it to you. If you were to bring me your bank account, a list of transactions from your credit card, from your debit card, we can easily pinpoint what it is that you treasure. Anybody with me this morning? Maybe you're into entertainment. If I looked at your 
list what I just see the movies over and over. Do you like to go out to eat? I'm not saying these things are wrong, but they are if you treasure them. Maybe you spend a lot of money on sporting events. Maybe if I look at yours, I see all these deals for Macy's and Dillard's because you're buying a lot of clothes. I wonder when you go to do your taxes at the end of the year, there's that spot there that says, how much have you given to charitable contributions, charitable donations? Do you just skip right over that because you've never given a dime to a church? Or do you actually have to calculate and figure it out and get things back? I'm asking you this in all seriousness, and I have to check myself. What is it that we treasure? The stewardship of our money is what reveals that. That's what shows where your heart is. We were talking with uh, Tyler this morning. I was. I said, you know, you, you've seen those bumper stickers that all around town or other places that says, my son and my money go to named university, right? How many of you know that when that named university is in a sporting event, that parent, they're not rooting for the opponent. They're rooting for where their money goes. Everybody been, right? <laughs> it's the same thing because your money, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have to ask, though, very gently, being an elder of the church, I have permission to do this. If you are somebody that is wondering, why, why don't I feel connected at Antioch? Why, why does it seem like people are distant from me? I'm going to ask you point blank. Do you give of your time and of your money to this local church? And if your answer to that is no, then there's your problem right there. If your answer to that is yes, hang tight. Because he is a rewarding God. He will give you everything that you need. But if you're like hands off, on my finances, what's he supposed to do? It's interesting that we talk about walking in the light. Why are our finances off limits? Good. Nobody comes up here and says like, well, I make this much money and all that stuff. Well, Andrew, I don't think it's anybody's business to know how much I make. You know what you're really saying is, I don't want anybody to know what I'm actually spending my money on. That's really what you're saying. Now, I understand there's privacy things. I get that. But if you were off limits and nobody's allowed to touch, nobody's allowed to dig into that part of your life, then don't question why things are going the way that they are in your finances. God wants you to open up your hands, not only so that you can give, but so that you can receive. A clenched fist does neither one. We're holding on to what we have. I'm asking you, release those things. Again, these things are not bad, but we have to know that it's never really just about the money. It's about our heart. You know, we as Americans, I promise you, we do not have a spending problem. What we do have is a giving problem. And that's where God wants to show us and reveal things to us in our hearts. So we know that our stewardship of money reveals what we treasure. I want to show you something else that it does. Check out Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse number 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Look at verse number 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let me pause for just a moment. The part that talked about first fruits, that's an Old Testament, carries over to the New Testament. What I would suggest to you, if you're saying, Andrew, I've never given, I don't, I don't understand how that works. God, we want to honor him with our wealth and with the first fruits. We don't honor God with our leftovers. Hear me say that. It's with the first fruits. Practically, what does that look like? Since I can remember making money, the moment I get a paycheck, now it's all online, I get all that stuff. 
The moment I do that, immediately, the first thing I do is I go and pay my tithe. Whether that's setting it aside so I can bring it to church, actually, whether I go online and pay, whatever that looks like, our attitude of worship is what matters. But I don't even calculate. That's not part of my income. It goes directly to him. And let me tell you this. Don't pinch pennies with God. I don't think that honors him. What do I mean by that? Just again, this is my suggestion. This is not, this is not biblical all the way through. I don't, if I, let's say if I get a check, let's say for $2,200, me personally, for my tithe, that's do $250. I don't want it to even be close. I don't, I don't want. It's not because God's legalistic. It's because the enemy is. So that's why I think it's always safest to go above and beyond. Now, does that count as your offering? I don't think it does. I think what I do practically is I give, my family have determined to give 10% to our local church, to Antioch Community Church, and offering to me is above and beyond. Somebody wants money for a mission trip. I want to support this organization. I want to give to this. This is just me. I'm just giving you some grid lines in case you've never done this before. That's what I do. Amen? So whatever that looks like for you, be, be at peace, but I'm just saying... You've got to ask God, how is it that you want me to give? So that's what it looks like. But I want you to notice that when we give of our first fruits, we're saying we're giving you the best. We're getting right off the top. This is all yours. We want to give it to you, okay? But what you'll notice is in verse 9, it says to honor the Lord, but you can never get to the place of honor until you've walked through verse 5 that says to trust in the Lord with all yeah. of your heart. Yeah. Did you know that you cannot honor somebody that you don't trust? I think it's near impossible. Chris Pletcher, I trust this man. If I did not trust him and somebody said, Andrew, I want you to honor him in front of everybody, I don't know about that. I don't think I could do it. I think I could blow smoke at people and pretend to, but in my heart, I really can't honor him unless I trust him. And the Lord knows that. So he walks us through trust so that we can get to a place of honoring him. So our stewardship of money not only reveals what we treasure, but it also reveals who we trust. Do you trust the Lord or do we think that we know what's best? It's, it's like, you know, we said again, it's hands off, God. You can't touch that. I got three words for you. You do you. That doesn't work. Doesn't work. Try it. I'm not going to do that. I, I purpose in my mind to never have that happen. So trust is a massive, massive thing. About three years ago as well, near the time of the black wallet, uh, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, Andrew, I want you to quit your career. I want you to finish out the school year as a teacher, and then you're done. I got other things for you. That's great. That's fine and well, but there's got to be income coming from somewhere. My wife works part-time as a nurse, which we're so blessed to, to have that income. But for a season there, I, I obeyed, and I, and I did it. And I'm not some great hero. I'm just telling you, I'm going to put all my trust in God because he's the real deal. So it was never a question of, oh, I don't know if I can do that. It's just, how is this going to work out? But I put all of my faith and all of my trust in him, and we watched our bank account just go boom, down, 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 down. But then all of a sudden, we'd walk out, and there in the mailbox, we'd open it up. It would be an envelope with $1,000 cash. It happened over and over. What a testimony to my neighbors. I said, hey, look what I got in the mail. Did you get this? They're like, what kind of, what kind of church do you go to? I said, hey, come on, let's find it out. God takes care of us. He really does. And you know what? He doesn't really care how much we make. He's not... I really don't think he's very impressed by how much we make because he made all of this, the heavens and the earth, right? We think about that like, oh, hey, I got that pay raise, and, well, yeah, you know, we got we to gotta be nice to that guy because he's rich. He ain't rich. He's just got more money than you. I mean, think about it. You take a billionaire in this world, you're like, dude, you own like a little piece of land. Go look at, you know, North Carolina. It's bigger than, I mean, any state you think, like our, our mindset is so skewed and it's so messed up. 
Like he's the one that owns it all, the cattle on a thousand hill. Why would we not trust him? If you'll trust him with your salvation, trust him with your money. Come on, I mean, really. So remember that it's never, it's never just about the money. He wants to get into our hearts. And I just want to say there's going to be a place in a little bit for you to ask, maybe I've lost trust in God or maybe I really don't. Because I'm telling you, if you're not giving to him, I'm going to challenge you, you don't trust him. You have to honor him with your wealth. So the question becomes, well, what is it that kind of entices me or pulls me away? So as we finish this quickly, look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9. It says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So the question is, how do we get, how do we get free from that? Because I, I don't want to have a love of money. There might be some people in here that have that. And so there's this temptation that we can see is not good. It doesn't lead us to any place good, but we have to address that maybe some of us struggle with that. The passage that I read to you in Malachi chapter 3 that said to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, I want to show you where that came from. We're going to back up just a few verses. So in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? So pause there. God's having this dialogue with his people, and he said, you've left me, you've never done this. They're like, well, how do we come back to you? If I'm God in that moment, say, oh, just just pray, and I'm not minimizing prayer. Just pray and ask me, and I'll come, and I'll return. There's verses about that. But in this specific dialogue, as they're asking, how is it that we come back to you? In verse number eight, here's God. He says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And they say, how are we robbing God? Like, how are we robbing you? And what does he say right there? In your tithes and your offerings. Like, he knows that there's something deep inside of our hearts that wants to hold on to the thought that we can get rich by the world's standards. And it's from that place that he talks about that if you'll just bring the tithe into the storehouse, I'll provide all of these things for you. I'll always take care of you. So the fastest, easiest way to get rid of a heart that says I don't want to give is to what? To give. God knows that. He's wise. He said, you want to store up treasures here on earth? but you want to get rid of that thought, you want to get rid of that heart, he said, all you have to do is quit robbing me. Bring me your tithes and bring me your offerings. I will challenge you. I've been challenged before that when he, a lot of us maybe in this room, we do tithe. I'm going to question, I'm going to ask you, do you give offerings? Do you go above and beyond? The invitation is that you give your tithe and then whatever else your heart desires. That's what the offering is that we give unto the Lord. So it, it gives us some context for why we tithe. It's, again, it's we want to praise him with our mouth and we want to praise him with our money. Is everybody okay with that this morning? Yeah. Amen. It was going to be quick. I don't have much else other than that. Got a little bit more. But just, we're about to wind it down. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm going to invite the, uh, the worship team to come up for just a minute. I do want you to stay engaged with me. There's one more thing I would like to share with you. Some of you have heard this before. I think it's totally worth revisiting again. Up on the screen here, we have Luke chapter 17. Verse 11 through number 19. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria 
and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy, they met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Maybe you've read this story before and you've recognized that these 10 lepers, these outcasts of society, they meet face to face with Jesus and they, they cry out to him and he comes and he saves them and he, he heals them and 10 of them are going and all of a sudden one guy comes back. Just one, one guy, one out of all 10 guys comes back and comes to Jesus and simply says, thank you. Like, to me, that's a slap in the face. What, what, Jesus even asks it, where are the other nine? There's only one of you. One out of 10, completely restored. These guys that were outcasts, had nowhere to go. One of them says, thank you, and comes back and comes to the feet of Jesus. Does that sound like enough to you? How many should have come back? All 10, right? So why in that story does one-tenth or 10% not sound like enough, but when he asks you to give your tithe, your 10% sounds like way too much. Just a thought, right? Again, clenched fists, they can't give and they can't receive. And God just wants to pour into our hearts. I don't care if he blesses you financially, I really don't, but I really do care if he blesses you spiritually. And that's what I want you to see this morning is, God, I feel just icky in my heart. I don't feel like I'm getting spiritual blessings. Oh, yeah, but I haven't honored you with my first fruits. I haven't honored you with my wealth. We know the passage in Matthew that says you can't serve two masters because you know that you're either going to uh, hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and you cannot serve money. You can't do it. It's impossible. It's scriptural. No way, no way. I wanted to show you a passage, though, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 19, as we finish up. They're gonna put it here on the screen. Look at this, it says, they're, they're, they're speaking of an incident that's going on. It says, what is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the what? Watch the offering. There's a comma after. It's gonna explain what the offering is, which we administer in order to what? Honor the Lord himself. That's what offerings do. They're not there to help people. It's what they end up doing, but they're there to honor the Lord. So I wanna, I wanna challenge you this morning. If you're somebody that has never given the tithe consistently, I'm telling you, it's worth your time to do it. If you ask anybody in here that tithes, how can you afford to? Every single one of them will answer you, how can you afford not to? That's what they'll tell you. You're not buying an insurance policy, but you are claiming the word of God over your finances and over everything that he has. And if you say, hey, well, I give my tithe, then I wanna challenge you, are you honoring the Lord with your offering? Are you giving, he, he puts no limit on it. He, he, there's not a 10th and then another 10th. It's a 10th and then your offerings. So maybe your heart this morning is, God, I have not, I, I keep, I just forgot I haven't given you my offering. 
So I want to challenge you just on two quick points. If you have our prayer team, if you'll go ahead and make your way forward. Just two, two thoughts. They sound simple, but I, I don't want to minimize the impact that it might be having on your heart. I think there's really two places to respond this morning. Is first off, is there a place for you to repent for not treasuring him? And he'll speak to you. All you have to do is ask him to say, God, is there, is there a place I'm not treasuring you in my heart? Is it tied to my finances? Is it tied to my giving? And second of all, there's a place to repent for not trusting him. I think that's probably the greater one is, God, I, I, I can't give because I, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I'm telling you, if the math doesn't add up, don't let that be your determining factor. Because last time I checked, in his kingdom, two plus five fed 5,000, not seven. So he can make all of that happen on your behalf. Don't say, well, I'm going to run out of money if I tithe. <laughs> don't do that. That's dumb. Don't do that. I'm telling you from experience, don't do that. Give up your tithe. Bless him with your offerings. Honor him with all that you have. Your response this morning may be just, God, I need to treasure you more. I need to trust you more. Some of you, I'm telling you right now, your response this morning is to sit down, get on your phone, and give to the Lord via the app. You might need to write a check. You might need to go to the bank tomorrow because if you just say, oh, that's a good thought, I think I'll do that, you're not gonna do it. God would be honored with you giving and writing out a check this morning, not, not for this place to get better. Please don't ever hear that we don't need your money. God does not need your money. He's after your heart. And if it takes you having to give of yourself and it hurts, now you know you're giving him something, and he's going to work with that. So don't hear anything I've said. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your heart. But he wants to come in and give us every spiritual blessing. These guys are also up here. If you have anything that you just want prayer for, if you're sick, if you're just struggling, if you're dealing with depression, anything that you have, this is not a financial talk only. If there's something like, I just want somebody to pray with me, these guys love to do that. It would be so fun for them, so fun. I'm going to pray, and then as I do, if you want to come receive some prayer, you can do that at this time. So Jesus, we thank you that you are a God that sees far beyond the money, and you look into the depths of our heart. Thank you that you did not die on a cross so that I could have a nice car and a nice house. I thank you that you died so that I could receive every spiritual blessing in Christ. God, if I'm not walking in the freedom of all of those blessings this morning, show me in my heart, show these wonderful people in their hearts, where is it that they're holding back from you? Because God, we want to treasure you, we want to trust you, and we want to give of our resources to you. We love you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Be with us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.